0: Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible teaching, Jesus centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now, here's this week's sermon. Good evening. Does it sound like I'm in an echo or something like that? Check, check, check. Can <laughs> you take me out of the spaceship and put me on, on ground here? <laughs> this stuff. Hey guys, good to see you tonight. I know, um, we're coming back off of Father's Day last Sunday and so there was no service last week and then we come back and then next week we're going to take a break again for 4th of July. We really just want you to spend time with your family. That's important and so that's why we have a lot of that. And then we'll get back into the summer of things and really get rolling again. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord without masks and all that craziness, huh? It's good, it's, good to be, it's good to be here, guys. Hey, open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 is we're going to be journeying through and we've been journeying through the book of Philippians. Philippians is One of my favorite books here as we've been studying it and looking at it. And uh, tonight we're going to look at the latter part of chapter 1, verses 27 through uh, 30 tonight. As we've just been breaking it up by piece uh, piece to piece. If you've been looking to know anything, like we've kind of broken down earlier, that the the book of Philippians is Paul the Apostle writing to the, the church of Philippi. And he's writing from jail. He's in jail because of his faith. He's in jail because of standing up for the gospel. And so he has a heart, and this is known as a prison epistle, a pastoral epistle, but mostly a a prison epistle, because he's writing from a prison to share with the people in Philippi. And he wants them to identify with him. And so we know that we know that that he's expressing his heart through jail cell, in a jail cell. He's, He's writing a prison letter to the people. So he understands his passion about what's going on. And we know that as we've been studying the the book of Philippians, um, there are are four things we're going to look at through the book. And chapter one is all about passion. It's all about passion. Guys, we know as Paul has been going through some difficult times, there are many different difficulties that we can face, many different types of suffering. There's Physical suffering that people might just go through, ailments and disabilities and disease. That, that would be physical, dis, physical suffering. Then there's situational sufferings that we might be going through, tribulations and, and trials, loss of a job, family struggles, financial struggles. And then, guys, there's spiritual suffering that we can face. We call that, might call that persecution or we're or, or ridiculed for, for our faith. Paul is been locked up in a prison and he's faced all those types of sufferings he's faced all those types of sufferings right he had he had a physical disability he called it his thorn a thorn in his flesh and, and he asked the Lord three times to remove it but God said no in your weakness you'll be strong and so he had own physical suffering we know that Paul had situational sufferings you only have to read the book of Corinthians it's been around chapter 11 chapter we find him that he was shipwrecked and he was hungry and he was naked and he was homeless and outcast and all the things he had gone through for the sake of the gospel. But we also know that there was spiritual suffering that Paul had faced, that currently he's in a prison. He had been beaten and he'd been gaffled up and, and, and he's later gonna be martyred for the faith. I know this. Paul writes young Timothy about these very issues. And he says this, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We'll go through hard times. This is no easy street. This is no tiptoe through the tulips type of faith. This is, this is nothing like that. This is legit, real faith that Paul, the apostle, is writing to the Church of Father, And he's writing for us today that, guys, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our struggle, we still have to be passionate about obedience, passionate about walking with God, passionate about saying, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna persevere. And so with that in mind, that these sufferings that we make, we just went through a little over 15 months. In some sense, some people might call suffering. Some have faced the COVID virus. Some have lost their jobs. They, they had physical struggles and tribulations. Some might even lost family members in this whole time. But in all that, in all those struggles, you have to understand that it's only momentary. In the scheme of the time, it's only a small dot in, from all eternity. It's only a season that we have gone through. It's, it's not something that's forever. We have masks off. We've, we've, some of us have weathered this storm. But now, as we look at this book, and now we look at where we are today as a church, we're called now to move forward. Some of us tried to manage the COVID, But now it's time to move forward in the midst of all that's done with the COVID that we could begin to proclaim the gospel. I want you to understand that many, many had gone through many trials and they still remained faithful. In fact, you only have to read Hebrews chapter 11. It's the faith chapter. It's the hall of faith. Remember, you know, we have the, the hall of champions here in San Diego, Balpole Park. We have the hall of fame uh, for athletes and different things. Well, we have a hall of fame called Hebrews 11 called the hall of fame or the hall of faith chapter. And it reads like this in verse 24 to 26. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy passing pleasures for a sin. It's the approach of Christ greater riches than treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Guys, this this evening, we're gonna be talking a little bit about obedience in light of suffering, obedience in light of difficulties, perseverance in light of hard times, because the church is called to be that. We're, We're called to endure because it's only a discomfort for a season. If you got on a plane and you were told that this plane might go down, there's a possibility it might go down, and somebody says, You know what? I, I would encourage you to take a parachute on you. And you say, What? You know that. Take a parachute just in case. You take a parachute and you put your parachute on, and then you go and you walk into Southwest Airlines, and you're walking with a parachute. And people are looking like, What are you doing with a parachute? Well, I, dear, I just want to be prepared. Because this plane might go down, right? And then you're wearing your parachute and you get on your plane and people will be laughing at you. People will be mocking you. People will be like, dude, that guy looks weird. He, he's, he got this parachute. You probably might even be uncomfortable sitting in the seat. It might be a, a distraction to others. It, it, whatever it is, you're getting the attention of all these different things here. But what happens when you get on the intercom and it says, the pilot says, we just lost our engines, and we're going down. Wouldn't you be glad that you got that parachute? All the ridicule, all the funny making, all the discomfort, all those things that you may have faced in that team, you're like, I got my parachute. Our faith in Christ is our parachute. Our faith in Christ is the things that we have right now because one day this is all gonna go down. Scripture says that this earth is gonna pass away, it's gonna burn away, it's gonna perish. But we as people of God have for a season are called to walk with God by faith. And that is what is gonna save us our faith on those very things. But in the midst of all that, the obedience comes in the fact that we have this parachute on and we have to walk in obedience. It's really a sign of our passion and our love for God. In the book of Philippians, chapter one is all about passion, right? Passion for people, we studied that. Passion for prayer, passion for Christ, and now passion for obedience. Passion is what we desire. Passion is what we get excited about. Passion is what moves us. Passion is what wakes us up in the morning. And this is what we so long to be. Some people, you know, when they play sports, they're passionate about sports. They say, man, that guy's got some heart. Last night I was watching the Clippers game and they lost last night. Paul George didn't have very much heart <laughs> you know what I mean, and stuff uh, for those who watch the game. But, uh, but, but the reality is this, this desire to compete and walk with God. In chapter one of Philippians, verses 27 to 30, we're gonna look at that tonight. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you, God, for tonight. We thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the work that you're doing tonight. And I pray for those who are here, that as they hear your word tonight, may they be encouraged, may they be strengthened, Father, may they be built up. May they be equipped for the work of ministry. May they be, um, Lord, filled with your spirit to persevere in the times that we're going through, to walk in obedience, to walk in the the, the ways that you called us to walk and to walk worthy of the gospel. We thank you tonight for all that you're doing, Lord. May your name be magnified in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen, amen. We're gonna look at three things tonight. And the first one is this, is that our obedience brings honor. Obeying God brings honor. Look at verse 27, the first part, it says, "'Oh, let your, conduct, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, "'so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, "'I may hear of your affairs, "'that you stand fast in one spirit, "'with one mind, striving together "'for the faith of the gospel.'" We are to walk in a way without excuse. That's the challenge here. Look at this. Let our conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. No matter what situations we face, no matter what's going on in our life, we're called to honor God. We're called to honor and represent the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to honor him in all that we do. The word conduct, that word there, it means to be after a godly sort, or to live as citizens. Do you realize that you're citizens of heaven? Philippians speaks about that. You're citizens of heaven, that we're only passing through this time. We're only visiting this earth, that there's a time of eternity that we have put our name in the book of life and now we are called citizens of heaven. And that we walk in a way that's, that's honorable to God after a godly sort, following God. We're patriotic. A lot of people are patriotic. We're coming to 4th of July next week and we're all these patriots. But we're patriotic for the kingdom of God. We have a president. His name is Jesus. We have a God that we serve and we're his citizens and and he's our masters and we are his servants. And so we're called to to walk worthy, to walk honorable. The word worthy actually means, it's a a political term to be a good Citizen, is that what it means? To walk worthy of the gospel because we are citizens of heaven. we see that in Philippians 3.20. There, there's, there's, a, there's a specific things that people expect of us. There's a certain walk that people expect of us. You know, when you say you're a Christian and then you do something wrong, they say, oh, I thought you were a Christian, right? You ever hear that before? Oh, I thought you were a follower of Jesus. There's an expectation on you because of your identity. Because of what you say, there's an expectation. We're called to walk worthy of the gospel. Paul writes to the Colossian church about a specific walk here. He says this about obedience. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. To walk worthy of the gospel means that we have to grow. We have to grow in the knowledge of God. Peter writes that we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to mature, we are to understand, we are to know his word here. And part of that is walking, living our faith out in such a radical way that people see our good works. That's the evidence of our faith. That's the evidence of us walking worthy of the gospel, walking worthy of the good news. In fact, Paul writes the Thessalonians in chapter 2, verse 12, he exhorts them. He says, you are witnesses, he says. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly and blameless we have behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as Father does his own children, that you walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul had wrote the Thessalonican church. They had done that very well. They were living out their faith and he was affirming them and he was, he was commending them, their faith. I, I pray that God would do the same for us, commending us on our walks, patting us on the back. Man, good job. Good job, Miha. Good job, Mio. Good job in what you're doing. Man, I see your works. You're bringing honor. That's, that's the life we're called to live, to live it out. And we're called to live worthy of God regardless of anybody's watching or not because we actually serve the audience of one and that's Jesus. God is always watching. He's always watching us. Whether we're serving in our home or serving in in our job or serving in our schools, wherever God has placed us, we're called to honor him in our service. That's bringing honor to the gospel. That's That's what makes us different. That's what makes us people that could be trusted and trustworthy, to be faithful. That's what he's challenging us to be. I would hope that people, when they say, you say you're a believer and they hire you, say, man, I could trust this guy because he says he's a believer, because he's a follower of Jesus. That as believers, we're trustworthy of the places and things that we've been put in. That's, That's the fruit of a believer. Paul writes the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter three, verse two, he says this, you yourselves are our letters, written on our hearts, known and ready by everybody. God has done this great work in you. You are the letters, you are the epistles. You are the book that people read. You're the letters that people read. You're the open, you're an open book. That's what it means to be worthy of the gospel. But not only are we worthy of the gospel, guys, We are to stand firm in the gospel, in our obedience. We're to hold our ground. It says this, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know what? We're to hold our ground in the faith. You know, when you talked about the armor of God, it talks about the shoes of peace in Ephesians chapter six. These were these sandals or boot-like shoes that actually had cleats underneath them. So when they went to battle, they were able to hold their ground and stand firm and dig in so when they're in battle and in warfare, they would not slip and they would not lose their footing. God is calling us by the gospel to hold our ground and to stand firm, not to to take steps back. You notice that the armor was always in the front and there was nothing in the back because we were called to, to hold our ground to hold our footing, to persevere, to be steadfast, to be of one mind. Charles Spurgeon said that by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. (laughs) By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Just kept crawling away, just kept after and eventually got to the ark, right? It reminds me of a, a story of a father who wanted to encourage his son not to quit so easily. And he began to give examples. Abraham Lincoln didn't quit. Thomas Edison didn't quit. Douglas MacArthur didn't quit. Look at Almo McCringle. And his son went, wait, what? Who's Almo McCringle? His son said. "See, he quit." <laughs> so like, and so what he was challenging him was he was challenging him that not to quit, guys, we as God's people are to call to hang in there, to persevere to stand, hold your ground, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We know that we're, we, we battle not by our own power nor by our own might, but by his spirit, the scripture says, to holding our ground. Paul writes the Corinthians in 15, he talks about what this gospel is. What are we to hold ground to? What am I standing for? It says this in Corinthians chapter 51 to 5 it says, Now, brother, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. This is what Paul is sharing. Let me tell you what this gospel that you're standing firm on, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. This is where, you're, this is where you believe. You're holding to what you believe. That's what it's saying. I give a, a picture of shoes holding the ground, but it's what you believe in. What is it you hold to be true? By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the words I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Here it is for that which I received passed on to you as the first reports that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter and then to the 12 and ultimately to the 500. What do we hold on to? What do we stand firm in? The gospel. The gospel that Jesus came in the flesh, that he was died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day and he's coming back again and he appeared to the 12 and he appeared to the multitude. That is the gospel. That is the hope. That is our blessed hope. And we stand firm in those very things. Guys, when we're going through difficulties, and why was Paul so joyful in prison in the midst of all this? Because he had a reward. He had a hope. He knew what his future was, regardless of what was going on. He had a hope and he stood his ground. That he knew his his suffering was only momentary. Guys, I want to encourage you. You might be going through some difficulties, through some hardships, but they're only momentary. He's called us in standing for the, standing in the faith to contend for the faith, to contend for the faith. In fact, verse we get into here, it says this in the NIVD version of the same verse. It says this, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Right? Contend. I could have been a contender. You remember that statement? I could have been a contender and stuff. Contender really was to, to wrestle in company with, to, to be up close in battle. It's like MMA, you know what I mean? They were contenders, they were, they were fighters. But here Paul is telling the church to be contenders to, in the faith, but do it together, to stand firm together. The church is to, to stand together for the cause, joining together to further the gospel. Our obedience in standing firm is to spread the gospel. That's our obedience. What we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is what we stand on to present it to other people. That's our obedience to stand firm in the gospel because we're agents of faith. We're ambassadors. We're messengers because we're agents of truth. And we begin to share this gospel. Jude 1.3 says, "'Beloved, while while I was very diligent to write you "'concerning our common salvation,' I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. To contend in some ways means to fight. And there's gonna be times where there's gonna be oppositions. There's gonna be times where people are gonna disagree with you. There's gonna be times where people are gonna make fun of you. There's gonna be times where people are going to think what we believe is foolishness. Paul would write that in Corinthians, right? The cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. But it's hope for us who do believe. It's the power of salvation for us who do believe. And so we have this obedience. We have to honor that. We need to honor God. Here's the second thing. Our obedience removes fear. Our obedience removes fear. I remember when our kids were really, really young, little kids, and it would rain. And then you hear some thunderstorms. And they would get really, really afraid. Maybe maybe you had this experience with the kids. And then they would get out of their bed and run to the valley of their bedroom. Then run to the valley of their hallway. Then run to the valley of your bedroom and then jump into your bed, right? And then you would embrace them and you would hold them. And something supernatural happened when you as a parent would hold your kids. Their fear would go away, right? Their fear would go away. Your, your hugging and embracing them didn't remove the rain. It didn't remove the thunder. It didn't remove any, but you're embracing that you were present with them, remove the fear. We have been embraced by a God who embraced us in the midst of the thunder and the difficulties and the rains and storms of life and the heaviness that we feel, that we don't need to be fearful in what we are facing if we're walking in obedience to God. No need to be fearful. Look at verse 28. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, This is a sign to them that will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Look, I don't have to be afraid to stand up for my faith, even with those who oppose me in it. Because I have a God that's my bodyguard, right? In fact, Jesus said, don't be be fearful of the one who could take your body, be fearful of the one who could take your soul. I think people don't have fear of God today. They fear men more than they fear God. And here he's giving us, right here he says, by obedience and walking with God, we will not be intimidated. If I'm walking with God in obedience to God, there won't be any intimidation. Your walk with God will actually be a threat to the world. There, there'll be, they'll, they'll, your, your light will reveal their darkness. Your, your walk, and, and so when people react, when people respond, when people come against you, it's really out of fear. That's what it says, without being frightened by any of the ways, by those who oppose you. People are gonna come against you. Guys, you're gonna be opposed by what you believe. But this opposition is also a condemnation for the world in some sense because they're condemning themselves. They're trying to oppose that which is right and you're trying to expose that which is wrong. And we see here this happening here. And your, your obedience, your walk with God, your righteousness will expose their darkness. And people don't like that. People don't like that, right? And so he's saying here, you know, don't be terrified. Don't be terrified when people come against you. Our courage and walking in boldness and being obedient to boldness is actually intimidating to the enemy. (laughs) It's actually intimidating to the enemy. Listen, when you walk with God and you come to faith with God, you realize that your life is not your own. In Revelation chapter 12, it says, How do you overcome the enemy? By the testimony of the saints, by the blood of the Lamb, and they did not count their lives their own. When I realized that this life is not my own, that God owns it, then I can walk in confidence and in boldness no matter what happens out there. Because why? Because I know where I'm going. I know that God's got my back. I know that he will will, will protect me. He will protect me. God knows the number of my days. God knows when I'm done on this side of heaven and then he takes me home. I just believe that. I just believe that. And so we walk with that in our minds. And we have to understand that This boldness is not on us. This boldness because of who God is. To walk in who God is. And that's why he says, we don't have to be frightened. We don't have to be afraid. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear is torment, Scripture says. We as believers don't have to be fearful and hide, but we have to understand that we have authority. And this is a sign to them that will not be destroyed, but they will be saved. Our obedience tonight will bring life to, not death. Our obedience will bring life and not death, right? Our obedience is the proof of life. A lot of people wanna justify their mess. They wanna justify their sin. That's what they wanna do, but we don't have to do that. We have been made righteous in Him. He's deemed us righteous, and then He's called us to live righteously. That's what he's done. And so because of that, right, it's saying here, what is it saying in the verse? It's saying here, this is a sign, this is the evidence then that they will be destroyed. Who? Those who don't believe. Those who are apart from God. But that you will be saved, that by God. We are saved by the hand of God. We are saved by the hand of God. You don't, I don't know if maybe some of you are younger here than me, some of you are older. Do you remember that show, Mr. Magoo? I don't know if you remember the cartoon. Some of you might remember the cartoon. Like All the all the millennials are like, what are you talking about, Pastor Pete? There was a cartoon growing up that we used to watch. Pastor Pope, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, and it was about this man. He had these big old glasses, but he couldn't really see. And Mr. Magoo would always go through walking through life and there's all these dangers around him, all these things that could have happened in his life. And you see it, like it's like in the spiritual world. You see it, but he doesn't see it. And he just goes about life and he lives it and he's... He just makes it through life, but he doesn't realize that there's all these craziness around him that could have killed him, that could have harmed him, but he didn't see it. I really believe there's a, there's a spiritual realm there that's going on. That some of you guys are walking through life, but you don't even realize how often God has saved you from death, from tragedy, from accidents, from things that are going on. You're just going about life and you don't realize that God has supernaturally intervened because we've been saved by the hand of God through our obedience to God. Go back and look up Mr. Magoo, you young people. You'll see the cartoon. But, uh, but the reality is some of us, God has supernaturally been working and protecting us and guiding us and looking over us. Some believe might have called that angels because God has given us angels to protect us, guardian angels. But understand that when we walk in boldness with God. We don't need to be fearful because we're gonna be saved and protected by the hand of God. You remember when the Israelites were against The Red Sea and Egypt came, representing the world, representing sin, representing the activity of coming against God's people. God put a fire by night and a cloud by day to protect them. And then Moses lifted up his hand and parted the Red Sea that they would escape. God's hand of provision and hand of protection was always on God's people. When they came to fight the Amalekites, Right, And they had to lift up Moses' hand, and men came to help him. And as Moses lifted up his hand with his rod, the Israelites had victory. But when Moses left his hand, they didn't have victory. And so people came along as a community and lifted up his hand. They would have victory. God was always going on their behalf to bring victory, saving God's people. Even today, he's always about saving his people, protecting his people. That's why we don't have to be intimidated by the circumstances and the situations we're seeing today. We don't. God will bring us life, not death. But lastly tonight, guys, our obedience confirms our commitment. Our obedience confirms our commitments. Look at verses 29 and 30. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now here that I still have. Our obedience is the fruit of faith. We've been given a privilege of faith. We've been given a privilege of faith, but we've also been given the privilege to suffer. People don't like to talk about suffering. They don't like the word suffering. They don't like the word hard times here, but Suffering is really a proof of our salvation. It's really proof of our salvation here. It's a, it's, a sign, it's a sign, guys, of God's favor. If Jesus suffered, and he did suffer, surely we are suffering because we're not above our master. If Jesus went through some hard times, we're going to go through some hard times. If Jesus, you know, what does it say? Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Talking about Jesus. Jesus was a a homeless man that had some difficulties. If Jesus, who was God, went through some difficult times, surely are we above our master that we would not be exempt from not going through suffering and difficulties? No. In fact, the word here, struggle, says, or, or the word here, struggle, or the word conflict, it says, has been granted for you before Christ not to believe, but you awful suffer, but also to suffer for him. The word suffer in the original language is the same word for conflict, where we get the word agony. We get the word agony. What Paul's writing is this. If they face the same agony of Paul, they will experience the same greatest joy like Paul. Because Paul would later write, kind of all joy when you go through various trials and tribulations and suffering. That's really opposite. Pastor Pete, what are you talking about? I don't want troubles and trials and tribulations in my life. But on this side of heaven, we're not exempt from it. We experienced that for the last 15 months. You know, when my mom passed away of cancer last year, that was suffering. It was difficulty. But her suffering brought her to faith. Her suffering led her to Christ. So here she was on earth for 75 years, but because of her suffering, she was awakened to this commitment to Christ that now she's spending all eternity with Jesus. So she suffered for one year. For one year, she went through some hardest times and lost her life, but in losing life, she found her life. That's what suffering will do. Suffering will awaken us to the reality of our need for God. Difficulties awaken us to, because if we had everything to, peachy keen and everything good, we would see no need for God. We'd see no need for his love. We'd see no need for his atonement. We would, see, we would all just be God's ourselves and, and exalt ourselves. So God allows trials and tribulations to come our way, to, to go through some agony. John 15, 19 and through 20 says this, if you were of the world and the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. They persecuted me, they will also persecute you." What Jesus is saying is, if I've gone through it, my followers are gonna go through it. Paul writes to the Thessalonian like Viking Church in chapter five, verse nine, "'For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, "'but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ.'" Salvation will come out of suffering. But we need to be obedient in the midst of our suffering. Job was obedient in the midst of his suffering. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He lost his his legacy, his wealth. He lost everything. And he still gave God glory. And God gave it all back and more. But our obedience guys will be tested our obedience will be tested your loyalty will be tested remember jesus in the garden he knows he's going to go to the cross and what was his famous prayer not my will but thy will be done his loyalty was being tested it was going to be tested He was going through his own period of agony and suffering and conflict in his own relationship that was about to happen. It was so stressful that he's sweating blood, facing anxiety, dealing with depression. All those emotions were being manifested in Jesus' life right before the cross. Being tested, our faith, our loyalty, our obedience, We'll be tested. It will. And are we going to be found faithful in the midst of all this? You know what COVID did for the church? It tested its loyalty. It's tested its faith. It's tested its roots. How deep are you? What do you really believe about God? That's what it did. It tested it. For some, it strengthened our faith. For others, it walked. some walked away from the faith. And the challenge for us today, we are called to weather that storm and walk in obedience to God, walk in obedience in God. Guys, we're gonna go to trials and tribulations. That's just life. The Bible says we enter the kingdom through tribulation. We're not exempt from it. But are we gonna be obedient when the difficult times come? When the trials come, are we gonna endure to the end? I know uh, Pastor James and I were um, <laughs> went out Thursday night to play basketball. <laughs> and uh, we, I haven't played basketball in a long time and I'll be about 58 years old coming up here and Pastor Pope is about my age too and we're running with the young kids. They're probably in their 30s, you know what I mean? You got Jesse who's in his 20s and, and we're running with, with all these, we're trying to keep up with these young kids, right? And I'm running down the court and they're running back this way so then I'm coming back this way and then they're running back this way. You know what I mean? And we're trying to keep up with them and, and I pulled a hamstring and, and we were just like, you know, it took me three games to start breathing. You know, what I mean? you know? the first game, I didn't even take a shot because I couldn't even keep up. You know what I mean? And, um, but, but, I, but I went home and I told my wife, where's the Advil? Because <laughs> I'm going to pay for it. Right? And, and for the last three days, man, I've been paying for it. You know what I mean? But I know that the conditioning that I, that I needed, the work that I needed, that that was a season to get my body. I had to run three games in order to start getting my breathing right. And it was really weird because what happened was the first game, I said, I'm not gonna run hard because I'm gonna run out of energy. I'm gonna be tired real fast. And they were running full courts, like the full length of courts. And I knew that if I just took it slow, and built into it. By the third game, I was, I was having my breathing down. I wasn't as tired because I allowed to open up my lungs and doing that, and I needed to discipline myself to persevere through that time. Guys, you're gonna feel it a little bit. You're gonna ask God, get me through it. I'm gonna feel the spiritual, the pains and the struggles. God, give me the spiritual Advil. Give me your spirit to be able to get through this thing in order to make it. But that pill that we take is obedience. I'm going to be obedient no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, no matter, I'm not going to compromise, I'm going to walk with God. Paul was in prison, gaffled to a Roman soldier, being obedient no matter his circumstances, no matter the situation. Cold, sick, probably got the chills, I don't know what kind of coat he asked Timothy one time to bring his coat, his extra outer coat. Bring it because the winter's coming. And yet he said, My eyes are fixed on the author and finisher of my faith. Guys, when you get through that difficult season in your life, keep your eyes on Jesus and nothing else. Because we could easily be. Sidetrack by all the different things that are out here that take our eyes, takes our eyes off of Jesus. I'm your pastor. I'm shepherding you here. But I, my job is to point you to Jesus. My job is to say he's your sustainer. He's the one that's going to care for you. He's the one by his Spirit's going to change you. He's the one that's going to give you direction and guidance. He's the one. He's the only one. He's the only one that saves. I don't save you. I'm only giving you his truth. I'm only giving you that which will sustain you. And that's the word of God. May you put that in your heart. May you put that in your soul tonight. So I leave you with three things as the worship team's gonna come tonight. First of all, our obedience, guys, brings honor. Let's walk worthy of the gospel. Let's not bring shame to the gospel. Let's honor God in all things with our life. Here's the second thing, our obedience removes fear. That when we walk in obedience and sharing the gospel and walking in the gospel, we don't need to be fearful in that. God will be the one who saves us. That's actually the proof of our salvation. And when people oppose us, that's actually the mark of a believer. They were trying to bear the fruit of salvation in our own life. And lastly, our obedience confirms our commitments that I'm walking with God in the midst of the trials and the difficulties, I'm committed to the cause of Christ. And you might be feeling it, and it might be difficult, and it might be hard, but stay your course. Stay your course. God will reward you in your efforts as you seek Him and as you keep them. Keep moving forward, don't look over. The cross before me, the world behind me, that's the heart. That's what it is, that's what it's all about. Some of you might have been through the valleys. Though I've done through the valley, the shadow of death, thou are with me, Psalm 23. Though I've been through the difficulties, I'm gonna still keep my course. I'm gonna still moving forward. I don't care the cost. And you know what, you might just have to go it alone. You might just have to go it alone. Some others might drop by the highways and might drop off, but you keep your course. You keep your course. Amen. Father Heaven, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you for your love and your blessings and your goodness and your mercy and grace, Lord. And I pray for your people tonight. Lord, I pray that as we begin to trust you in all things, Lord, and walking in obedience, obeying what you've commanded us to do, not to go off to the right or to the left, to be steadfast, Lord. I pray the filling of your spirit upon your people tonight because they need the power of your spirit. And Father, in doing so, Lord, you'll be honored and be glorified and they'll be able to endure the storms that they may face. They're not to quit and give up, Lord, but you may you strengthen them in this walk. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.